think a wise man uh, will think slowly and well through criticism. And so, like, I think that some tendencies it could be just ragging on your parents for how they might have raised you or some type of belief they have or some type of tendency they have. And I think be slow to do that. Um, and, and thank them, encourage them a lot more than a posture of complaining and grumbling if they're asking you to do something. The next, the next practicals I have is more towards just fam, family and friends in general. And so the first one I have there is listen well. Um, and this comes from James 1.19, which is, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Uh, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, like, um, I think all of us are guilty of this at some level. We don't listen very well. Uh, we, want, we want to do the inverse of that and be quick to speak, quick to anger, and be slow to hear. And so as we were relating with friends, um, friendships back at home, uh, family members, brothers, sisters, like, listen to them. Listen to their story. Listen to the, how their summer went. Um, have a posture bent towards them. Um, ask good questions. Ask them how their summer went. Not just so that they can ask you back how your summer went, but be genuinely interested in them because they're your family, they're your friends, you care about them. And so the second one I have is uh, a scheme for good. I got this from a guy uh, named Matt Bradner. He gave a staff training for us like a month ago, a couple months ago, and I thought it was really helpful. And so if you look in the Bible, I looked this up, um, the, the word scheme is almost always used in, in a negative way. Uh, Proverbs 24.8 says, whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. And I think before I got to college, and definitely before I became a Christian, my parents and my friends, like this is who I was, I was a schemer. Like I was doing things behind their back, um, so that my good would come out and th that maybe it would be at their cost. And so that, that whether that's like doing, like trying to get out of things that my parents wanted me to do, um, being lazy, just scheming for my own good and, and so that I would benefit and that they would not. Um, and like I'm just wondering, what if we actually schemed for good? Like what if we were schemers of good, devising things of how we can really love them well, how to love your friends well, how to love your, your parents and your brothers and your sisters well. Um, I felt like I had a taste of this a little bit this, this last month, and so then a project I saw Charlie looking online um, for this game called Star Wars Epic Duels. I think a lot of you know what that is. Um, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna get the game? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh sweet, Charlie's gonna have Epic Duels and I'll be able to play with them. Um, and then he's doing all this research and, had, and that's what I thought. And then first week of July, he came over and he brought over Epic Duels and he said, hey man, happy birthday. And like, he was planning and devising and scheming for my good. I'm like, yes, now I have Epic Duels. But like, I felt really, I felt really cared for because he put thought into it and he was doing that for my good. Um, and because he cared about me. And I think, maybe get creative. Like, what do your parents really like? Is it a certain kind of candy? Like, what, what your friends really like? I think scheming for their good and not for evil um, will be a good thing. The, the, third, the fourth one I have is, well, no, the third one I have is include them. Um, tell them about what you learn instead of just coming home with a, a teaching mentality. Um, and I think just uh, be ready to share the two minute version or the 20 minute version. Some people are gonna ask you how your summer went and, and some of you are just always gonna share that 20 minute version and not everyone wants to hear the 20 minute version. They might just want the two minute version. And so just being aware of that, um, 
And, and I think including them, showing them pictures, showing them relationships that you made, it's going to be able to tell a story a lot better um, and getting to some of the sweet things. The fourth one, I kind of added this one later because uh, I'll get into it, but the fourth one is apologize when you should. Um, this is perhaps one of the biggest differences that Ari and I see between our family and us. Um, and um, most of our family are believers and and a part of the reason it's the biggest difference is because I think it's just really hard for us and people to admit that they're wrong to apologize to one another. And so um, just this past couple weeks, we had Ari's family over for like 10 days, and um, which was really, really fun. But there's one point in, the, in when her brother and mom were over where we were playing a board game. During board game, I get really competitive. And her brother and I were kind of like he was saying some things to me where I felt like I had to defend myself and he, I felt like he was attacking my integrity and I was, I was not, I did not love her brother well. And um, I wanted to kind of be away from him, I wanted to avoid him and I just felt really convicted over how I related with, with him, especially wanting him to be a believer and that's how I was acting towards him. Um, like that, I was not loving him. And so, like I, at the airport when he was leaving that day, I had to go up to him and, and apologize to him and, and say, man, I'm sorry. Like, I did not love you very well. I was impatient with you. Um, and, and I think like that, when we do that with our family, like with my brothers or Ari's brothers or her family, like that's just, they're kind of like taken back. They're just not used to, I can't remember one time that they've apologized to us, but like part of like, we want to do that to send an example of like, uh, like we, like, we see the greatest forgiveness that we have in Christ. And Ari and I are apologizing to us all, all, each other all the time because that's marriage. We've talked about that a month ago. Um, and I think when we're doing that with family, it's sending them a different picture. Um, and so I think I had more than that, but we'll move on. Um, oh, yeah, the difference between Christians and non-Christians isn't that we don't sin. Um, it's that we repent and we, we apologize to one another. Um, like we've been forgiven by God's grace and I think that that's a sharp contrast there and the fifth one I have is um, share the best thing that you can and that's the gospel uh, so with all that being said how to relate to your family well how to care for them how to think for them like if you've never shared the gospel with some of your friends or with your family um, pray about it and I would urge you to share it with them uh, like, I, I want us to all feel a, a sense of urgency here with our family. Like, life is short. Um, all of us are, like, going to die. And, like, a lot of you feel this a lot more strongly in your family, and you feel that sense of urgency. And some of you don't. And I think there's a spectrum there where some of you are on one side where you're really afraid. Like, this is probably me. Like, I'm afraid to share with my family because of what that would do to some of our relationships. And, and that's one ditch. And the other ditch would be maybe it's you're, you're, the, you're the person who is really intense and constantly doing it to the point where it's damaging and that's all you want to talk about. Um, and I just said, realize that about yourself. And, but, but the main point here is we want you guys to share the best thing that you, you've learned. Um, there's no greater news than the gospel and what Christ has done. Uh, but to do it with, with gentleness, humility, and patience is going to be good. Um, so if I could have everyone's attention, just one conversation. I like to hear myself talk, so if I could hear it, that'd be great. Um, so I know I haven't been up front yet. Uh, my name's Nate Van Z. And with Weird, appreciate that. Uh, uh, so I'm going to try to keep this lively. I'm going to try to keep it kind of fun. 
Some of you know I like to tell a lot of stories. I'm going to put a lot of quick stories in here to try to get this going. Um, but what we're talking about today is going back to campus. So if you have your inner ring of like yourself, then we try to do an, the next ring of family, and now this is going to be going back to campus. Um, and with that, I'm going to give a couple disclaimers, because I think there's just some there's differences here. And so number one, not all of you are going back to campus. And so I think that's more obscure, but some of you are graduated, some of you did PSEO or whatever, are done. And I think this talk still really applies to you, so I'll challenge you to, to dig in, because it's going to be more um, principles for loving people well. Number two, um, I'm not going to assume everyone in here is a Christian. And so um, if you're not a believer, that's like totally fine. I think these are still good principles for loving people well, but I think it changes how going back to campus looks. And so I just want to address that, but I'm talking to the majority of people in here who I think are. And then lastly, um, you're all obviously from different campuses. There's a much different feel at the U of M than Northwestern. Believe it or not, Northwestern students. And so I think this is most prevalent at the small schools. So we're talking about making outsiders and loving people well. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. But at a big school, I think probably more through the lens of think of people who are involved in your ministry and didn't come to project. And like how excluded they can feel quickly. And at Northwestern or Bethel or a smaller school, I think it can very much feel like it's CO versus the world. Or it's versus everyone else. And oh, he's a CO guy. And, and the exclusion there. And so that's primarily what we're talking about. And then I'm going to make this really practical for you guys. Um, and so hopefully this makes sense. So um, number one, I think it's really easy to make people feel like outsiders. And so I'm going to give a quick story. So Nikki Jillick, as many of you know, she's amazing, had a birthday party um, in July. So a bunch of us went there. My wife was nannying, so I went solo. And it was really fun. And this is not a diss on the staff. This is, I think, my heart. But I think of where we've all been there. And so I walked in. We played volleyball, which was a blast. And we got done playing volleyball. And it was a, we were like at their little beach at Reed's dad's house. And I was like, well, I don't really want to get in the water. And so I'll just see what everyone's doing. So I walked down there. And there's like couples scattered all over, like one on the raft, one like swimming and doing all this stuff. And then there's a group of five girls to my left all sitting and talking intently. And I was like, I have nowhere to fit in. <laughs> what do I do? And I remember just thinking there, like, no one cares about me. And all this self-deprecation started. And it's just, it's just amazing of, like, this is a group of people I feel safe around. This is a group of people that I know love me. And they haven't done anything to exclude me. And yet I feel like my place isn't there. I don't feel like I know it. And I feel lost. Um, so imagine what it would be like if I didn't know these people loved me. And I don't, I'm not saying like we turn our backs on people, but I think there's an aspect where all of us, every time we come back from a project or an environment like this, we quickly make outsiders and exclude other people. Um, and so I'm going to give a few examples of how this can happen um, that I thought about, several other staff thought of. But number one, telling project stories. You guys have tons of stories from the summer. And I wasn't really here, so I don't even know a lot of them. And people will start talking about stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. I'm just going to smile and wave. But you can start talking about the boat social at the U of M. And everyone who wasn't at the boat social has no, no connection to that. And just feels like I'm distanced, like I'm being pushed away. Um, or hanging out. You could always want to hang out with your new friends. I've heard so many people say the community is the best thing I've ever experienced. So it's like, hey, I'm only hanging out with my project friends now. And you distance yourself from your campus. Um, you can go back and diss other 
summer stuff. I think this is mainly at Northwestern. Um, believe it or not, people can actually grow in their relationship in Jesus if they didn't come to Project. And so it's kind of a shocker there. But someone could go to camp and have a really good experience. Someone could have worked for the whole summer and really grown. But yet, I think there's this pride, and Lucas talked about it quite a bit, of like, I did a better summer. Oh, you learned something at camp? Who is discipling you? And it's like, man, why are you asking that? Like, love them well. Um, talking about other people from Project, I know many of you have probably made great friends down here, but if you're always talking about someone from down here, it's like that guy who always talks about his high school buddies in college. It's like, why do you think they're cooler than us? Like, can't you ever talk about us? Um, and it just hurts. Um, another little one, like making fun of Project Rules. Like if a guy's walking around with his shirt off, don't yell at him, you're not in the pool area if he wasn't at Project. <laughs> like that, like it sounds funny. And like all of you would laugh. If I brought in someone from, a random person from Northwestern, they'd be like, what the heck? Like why? Like what are you guys talking about? Like little stuff we do. Or like you're ending a meeting, you just go ready, break, and people haven't been around a project. Like you, you're excluding them. And they don't feel like they're a part of it. Um, you can talk Christianese. So all of a sudden now you've learned all this stuff and you can go back and start saying, well, you say the gospel every 10 words. And you start saying weird stuff or like, hey man, you go to a freshman and be like, I'm gonna pursue you. And they're like, what is that? <laughs> like, get away from me. Like, it's weird to tell a person I'm gonna pursue you. Um, but it's strange and you're making barriers. And so, um, or like, hey man, I didn't love you well. Probably not the best way to start with a guy who's never had someone apologize to them well. Like thinking for where they're at um, or the idea of they're not at projects so they can't. Like, they're not as equipped to do it. <laughs> like, they weren't there, they don't know what I know, and give it to me, um, which just isn't true. And so, hopefully there's just a few examples, there's a lot more, but of where it, we just don't love people well, and we just are blind to this. And so I'm gonna give you some really practical things. This is free relationship advice, um, not because I'm married, but this is talking peer-to-peer -peer, um, on loving people well. So number one, uh, well, maybe before we get into this, one, one nuance here. I'm not saying don't talk about your summer. So some of you are already in the ditch of, oh, he's getting up there talking about all this stuff. I'm never going to bring up my summer. I think that's really unloving as well. Like, you have a tremendous platform to share the gospel, to share what you learned, and to make it about them and grow them. And to not share that with them is selfish. And, and so I think use the summer, but be cautious and think about how you're talking. If you're always talking about projects, you're not thinking well for them. And so... Number one, fill people in on stories. So you can tell stories from the summer. I would encourage you to, they're hilarious. I'm sure there's some crazy things that happen. But fill people in. If there's someone standing next to you who wasn't at Project and you're talking about the boat social, it's not hard to be like, hey man, this is what we do. We did these like social things. And start to fill them in so they feel like they're a part of it. They feel like they're the priority. Um, so I'm just trying to fly through this guy. Sorry, we're running out of time already. Um, number two, be in the moment. I think this applies to a lot. I would encourage you guys to fight to be in the moment all the time. Um, number one, just for loving people well, um, I'm gonna try to say this gently, get off your phone. I can get so mad. Like just, Ellie and I love to host. We had this couple over that we love dearly, so I won't say their names. We were playing this game with them. And they were, it seemed like they were so addicted to their phones. It would be their turn and they would get a text message. They would stop, like start reading it, start sending back, doing all these things. And there was a point where both of them were looking at their phones while we just sat there. And I felt so unloved by them. Like I could not be less of a priority to you. And we're gonna get to, get to this more quick, but like why would I then listen to them about Jesus? Like you can't even look at me and talk to me. Like you're busy on your phone about an email you got that doesn't matter. Um, it's, it's messed up. Um, and number two with being in the moment, talk about them and ask questions. Um, Ellie has a grandma who's near and dear to my heart, Beverly is her name, 
she's an angel. And um, it's unique being around her because you can talk to her for two hours and not say a word. And there's like a gift to that. But also, um, I think she's asked me like two or three questions in my whole time being dating and married to Ellie. And I don't feel that loved when I'm around her because she'll tell me all these stories from Gustavus and her nursing friends from the 1940s. And I have no context of anything she's talking about. And she just keeps going and going and going. Like, it's all about you. Like, never once have you even asked who my family is, what's going on. And even though I know she cares about me, it feels distant. But make it about them. Ask them. Uh, number three, don't ignore old friendships. Um, I did a poor job of this. My first summer, I came back. I was like, I'm going to change the campus. And I had these two really good friends, Dex and Dev, um, who I spent a lot of time with who weren't Christians. And I came back and completely ditched them. I did not talk to them anymore. And because um, I, the first time we went to camp and I was like, football camp, I was like, I'm going to go spend time with the 17, 18 year old freshman. And they said, why? And I was like, it's what I learned. And I pretty much walked over there and did that. And I continued to distance myself. And it became such a gap in our relationship. We had no talking points anymore. Because so I'm like, well, you're not about the same thing. But I never gave them a chance. I never even like walked through with them what I believed and what changed in my life. And I'm pretty confident neither of them are Christians now. And I have almost no platform to share because they think I'm just that weird CO kid anymore. Um, so please, fight to keep old friendships. Number four. Um, Show weakness and invite people in. Um, when I was a student, I think the U of M did this really, really well. Because um, they had the, all these housing, and like, it seemed like all the campus outreach people lived in the same house. And I think of Luke Miller and Nermal and these other guys who lived there. And it was like a blast to go over there. And so instead of like excluding people, they were bringing people in and like, I think you guys have a tremendous community. I'm saying use it, but like bring people along. You want to hang out with project people? Take a freshman with you. And just let them see what it's like to be loved and cared about and ask questions and pursued in a way that they've never understood before. Um, so invite people in, quick to admit sin. Um, oh dear, okay. Uh, we're gonna move to even, we're gonna call it application. Um, so also if you want verses for all this stuff, I can give it to you later. Mainly it's like loving your neighbors yourself. But real quickly, application for what I, what I wanna do for you guys in going back. And now this is kind of the challenge portion. So I'm gonna spend a couple minutes challenging you guys. So 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Um, and so you've heard all summer, grace, 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 and yes, that's true. And grace is the foundation, and I think you should study this verse. I'm going to use this a little bit to say, I think you need to work harder. And I'm not saying for your salvation. I'm trying to nuance this for you guys. I'm not trying to commit blasphemy. But there's a part of where Paul put himself in a position to grow. And that's my challenge to you guys. And so I have three specific applications based off this. Number one, get involved in a church. I hope this was spoken to you guys or from the front often and several times. But I would challenge you guys not to just get involved. I think every one of you should become a member of a church if you're a Christian. And like I've been telling some of my guys I've been meeting with, you're like, you want to be in the D group this year. I think you need to become a member of Bethlehem. And that's like becoming my stance. Um, and like Lucas was talking about with pride, I think it's just arrogant to go back and say, I don't need people over me. I don't need help. I'm just going to go do this or I'm going to do this on the campus alone. Like the Bible doesn't talk about you. It talks about us. And so to become a member of a church, if you become a Christian, get baptized. Like go out and say, I'm going to take a public stance on my faith. Or if you haven't been baptized before, do it and say, I want to pursue this and I want to be held accountable by something greater than myself. 
And so that's number one, get involved in the church. Highly recommend it, fight for it. Number two, get involved in a ministry. So we're a ministry, and so I'm gonna speak a little more specific here. I think you should, if you like this summer, fight to get involved. Um, if you didn't like this summer, find something else, I guess, because um, it's not gonna be enjoyable. But fight to get older people in your life. Um, I think one of the main ways God speaks is through community and through older people. And so to not have that is just not putting yourself in a position to grow. And in all these things, I think older people can even help you walk through, are you excluding others? Like we're talking about loving others well, but the goal in that is just to share Jesus. And I think having accountability, I think having a ministry in a church, ultimately I think get plugged into a church, but getting plugged into something else. You say, I'm 100% in, I'm not in eight different things, I'm going to pick one thing and go deep and give my life to it. And number three, um, I would I mean, I couldn't come up with a better acronym or anything else. I said, put WWJD, what would Jesus do? And this is a little bit harder one. Um, and I'm going to touch on pride for just a couple minutes here um, because I think it's a huge issue. And I'm going to probably talk more strongly about it because I see it in my life and it really irritates me. Um, I think uh, book Brown Like Coffee had a really good quote. So it's written by Steve Shadrach. We copy a lot of what he's done. And one of the chapters that really um, has kind of pierced my heart is where he was talking to his mentor and telling the story. And he said, like, hey, it's been really hard. And he was, like, starting to lead a movement and doing all these great things. And he goes, I've just really been struggling with pride. And his mentor turned to him and said, really bluntly, you have nothing to be prideful about. Um, Which is harsh, but I'd say that's us. Like, I'm saying this is to me, this is to you, this is to the staff. You have nothing. Just like Lucas was talking about, you're a new creation. Like, Reed touched on the leper. We were outside the camp, and we were brought in. Like, and yet our pride is the biggest barrier, I think, to making um, issues for people to come to the gospel. Because we exclude, we think we're better. We start to move away from people instead of what Jesus did, which is move towards the leper. And so at the U of M or wherever you want to say, and there's those kids who are part, you can say all these external sins. You move towards it. You don't move away. And at Northwestern, we have the really Pharisee people who are, I'm right. You move towards it. Like, to, to pull away is unloving and not being gracious and not following Jesus' example. And you're just creating more and more barriers. And so, even in all this, like, the reason we talk about barriers is just so you have a chance to share the gospel. It's the best thing you have. It's the coolest thing. And God works ultimately no matter what. But why would we be putting up barriers in between us and these other people of selfishness, of not including them, of excluding and making barriers to them, when we could remove those, love them well, and get a chance to share the gospel? Um, So I'm about out of time. I'm going to end with one more story. Um, I don't think I'll get emotional. We'll see. Some of you know I tend to get emotional, especially when I speak. Um, So some of you football guys know there's a guy named Terizo this year on the football team. Um, Love him to death. So he was at Northwestern, was a freshman from North Carolina. And this is why we talk about all this stuff. And uh, he was one of the guys that was clear, like, this guy's not a Christian, and which, was, which was cool. And so we were spending time with him. And I, he came over to our house a couple times and started getting time with him. But I was like, I need to just build up my relationship with him. And so I kept spending time with him. And there was one day, I think we walked in the Billy. There's a week left in the semester. I was like, I'm getting to the point now where we can, or maybe not even the semester, but um, I'm getting to the point where I can share the gospel. I think Alexis actually walked up and sat at the table. And uh, he goes, hey, man, um, I'm transferring. And I'm gone next week. Um, I had never shared the gospel with him. And it was over. And as much as family, I think you have relationships with them. Um, I would say be in the moment. If you don't have forever with a college student, 
you don't know when it's gonna end. You don't know if they're gonna die, which seems less likely at college, but you don't know when they're gonna transfer, when something's gonna happen. And I'd spent all this time building up the relationship, saying, when's it right? And I ignored the biggest piece of truth that I had. Like, I did some of these things, but I did it poorly, and I didn't love him well. When spiritual conversations were there, I turned it down. And so I brought him to the airport, and I shared the gospel with him, and I think Charlie got to share the gospel with him before he left. And it was clear he didn't get it, and I just wept in the car after I dropped him off. We had all semester with this guy, and we didn't go there until the last day, like the last fleeting effort to throw it at him. And to my knowledge, he's not a believer. And I'm hoping God planted seeds and he's working. And not that it was all about us, but I would challenge you guys, be faithful. It's going to be a hard semester. You're going to have rough patches. School's going to be more difficult. Nothing's going to go as smoothly as you planned. And yet there's only thing that's for everybody, and that's the gospel.